Jacob Quinn has won the national championship for the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Welcome to the 10th Second Podcast, the head coach of the national champion Bobcats, Rand Pecknold. Rand, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. All right. So let's start. we got a lot to, uh, lot to cover because there's been 20-plus-odd years of you being here, and, uh, and obviously what was accomplished here is historic in many, many ways. So um, a lot to cover. So let's start with uh, when you first picked up a hockey stick which was back in Bedford, New Hampshire, which I think had about 6,000 people back there when you were there. Right. And why hockey? Why Why not another sport? How, how did that all start? Yeah, well, actually, probably the first time I played hockey, I lived in Winchester, Mass. at the time, before we eventually moved to Bedford, New Hampshire. But um, my dad was a hockey player. So he, uh, <clears throat> he played hockey and lacrosse growing up in uh, Victoria and Vancouver, British Columbia. And then um, got a hockey scholarship, go to Michigan State. And then after that, went to MIT to get his doctorate. <clears throat> and then I was born in, uh, well, actually, Boston, Cambridge, then Winchester eventually. So I was like, I was probably three or four when I started playing hockey, but it was because that's what my dad did. My dad played hockey. There was no such thing as lacrosse in Massachusetts back in, <laughs> back in those days. So uh, that's how I kind of got into it. Um, and I loved it right out of the gate. And then my dad still played um, like semi-pro. So I'd go watch his games. And that was like, I, I thought I was watching the Bruins and the Canadians. I, I didn't know, right? You're four, five, six years old, seven years old. And um, so I just fell in love with hockey, uh, really because of my father. And he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he earned a scholarship to Michigan State in 1959. But he was ruled ineligible because he signed a what was back then was called a Prince Albert contract. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. So he signed up. Yeah, he signed with Prince Albert. It was called a C form. So back in those days, in the fifties, they didn't have an NHL draft. Um, like Bobby Orr signed when he was fourteen with the Bruins. Like you just went and signed. They just signed a ton of players. So my dad didn't have a lot of money at all, and um, the Rangers offered him. I think it was like five hundred dollars. It wasn't a lot, but I guess five hundred was a lot back then compared to now. Um, and uh, <clears throat> he really didn't know what he was signing, but he signed it. And then he didn't even know that he had he forgot he had signed it when he went to Michigan State. Back in those days, there was a ton of guys who had signed that C form and still went to college, and nobody really cared. And they still played college hockey because they weren't, you know, they never actually played major junior. Um, <clears throat> and then literally the year my dad went was the year all the teams started turning everybody in. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know how many people got turned on on each team and whatever, and they did all the research, so my dad was deemed ineligible. So he practiced with Michigan State for four years, never played a game, and then uh, his grades were great, and they switched him from um, an athletic scholarship to an academic scholarship. He was uh, number one in his class in engineering. Civil engineering, State. right? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. then he went on to teach at MIT. Then he went to MIT. Uh, he taught undergrad there while he was getting his doctorate. That's how, they, that's how he paid for it. Um, I always remember this as a side story. I remember asking him why he stopped teaching at MIT, and uh, he said it was just too hard. He said the students would get the books over the summer, learn that teach the class themselves, and then show up in September, and they already knew the whole. They knew, they knew everything, so it just was. <laughs> it was crazy, but uh, he did that for a while, and then um, eventually finished his doctorate and. Um, you know, went into the went into the workforce. And I got to believe every kid in America wants to score, but you were on defense. Was that by choice or was that by? Um, I did a little both. I played I played both growing up. Um, I did both forward and D. Um, I split back and forth, and then my college career I did the same thing too. I, I did both. And Manchester, 
West High School? Is that where you went to start? Yeah, so I yeah I, I played at Manchester West. I went there for three years, and then um, then you know the back then in hockey and still probably to this day, like a lot of kids will will go to prep school and repeat to get older, um, which definitely still happens in hockey for sure. Um, so I went to Lawrence Academy for two years. So I did five years of five years of high school. It made me really smart for college. <laughs> it's paid off. Yeah. Uh, so, so how did you decide on Lawrence Academy? Like, how did you decide which school you um, It's pretty simple. We had Kyle McDonough was a year older than me. He was the superstar in Manchester, eventually went to Vermont. He was an All-American at Vermont. And Kyle went there. And, you know, my parents like, we probably need to, you know, go to a higher level hockey. And um, so we just, I visited there. I think I visited a couple other schools, but it was kind of a slam dunk. That's where all the Manchester kids are. I was Bedford, which really was Manchester, right. and um, that's where they were all going. So it was like a little pipeline. And did um, you want to did you want to play Division One hockey, or was it not as Division One, uh, Division Two, Three back then? I mean, I, I think I wanted to play college hockey. I mean, I would, would have preferred to play D one at the time. And I you know I, I don't know if I ever was like I want to play D one. I never I don't think I ever really had that. Um, it was a little different back then. Uh, unfortunately, like I was right on the probably I was probably a bubble D one kid. There was there wasn't as many teams either. Um, I think there was only like 44 Division One teams back then. Today, if I just went and played junior hockey for a year, I just had to work on my skating a little bit. I probably would have been a D1 player, but I, but I have no regrets. I played Division Three hockey. I loved Connecticut College. I played a lot. I was on the power play, like, you know, um, had, had a lot of success. So I don't really have any regrets. I think if I had gone D1, I would have been like kind of in out of the lineup guy. And I, I don't know if I would have handled that well back mm -hmm. then. Yeah, yeah. I think I could handle it now. I don't think I could handle it at 19 years old. And so you picked Connecticut College primarily because of Coach Roberts? Yeah, so Coach Roberts and my dad had played together um, at Michigan State. And um, my dad really liked him. I went and met with him. I was impressed and just kind of went from there. And you had uh, 100 point. No, you had – as a senior, you set the single – season record for goals with 17 and 47 assists by defensemen. Yeah, it was a lot. That's pretty and, solid. In like 26 games. That's yeah. pretty solid. It wasn't a lot of defense back then, Keith. <laughs> we did, we <laughs> there was a lot of 7-6 hockey games, but yeah, I, I played, so my first few years I played forward at Conn College, then I switched to D my senior year, but I really was like just the fourth forward. I just, my, my coach was great. You're constantly coach, up. Great. Just go. Just go. Our power play was crazy. I, I don't know I have no idea what our percentage was, but it had to be over 40%. It was, it was really good. Um, we had five really good players that were all probably bubble division one kids that probably could have played D1. And we'd stay out there the whole two minutes and uh, we'd eventually score. So uh, we actually might've been closer to 50. Um, I don't know if there's any stats going back on that, but it was, yeah, I loved it there. I loved playing for coach. Uh, you I loved you the want me to go over the Connecticut college men's ice hockey uh <laughs> although i'm in the record book. yeah i can go into the record book if you like yeah, I mean, no, i'm okay <laughs> I, I know i'm in there I know I'm you're in definitely there. in there yeah I, well i asked him i said can i get the recruiting list like who are the kids you've been recruiting and he's like oh yeah we got a list we got a list <laughs> what did that list oh look my like? god it took i wish i had it to this day i i, I never kept it i should have kept it and it took um I mean, it took me weeks to finally get it, and it was uh, it was on it was one sheet of paper. It was on yellow. Remember the old yellow legal pads sure, that people used sure, to use on yellow sure, legal pads, sure. and there was eleven names on it. And it took so long for me to get hired. I remember calling. I called all eleven kids. Um, I think the only one who came of the eleven was David Canazet. Everybody else was like, 
I didn't know who the coaches be. I'm going to Iona. I don't know who the coaches be. I'm going here. I'm going. They're going. You know. And uh, one of the kids on the list was Justin Nolan, who would, I called him. He's like, I'm going to Iona. He was a Hamden kid. He didn't like Iona after his freshman, so he transferred to me, and then did did play for me. After he transferred and ended up being my captain his senior year. So I I got him later, uh, but I got one kid on the list. And uh, and then I did have a couple other freshmen make the team that year. They were just all walk-ons, kids I didn't know about. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a fiasco to be to be blunt. Well, to be to be, we've talked to Jim Kennedy, who you know is the first head coach. Yeah. And he, they were posting signs in the dorms. Yes. To try and get kids to yeah. come out oh, yeah. for for the team back yeah. in 1975. Yeah, it was chaos. Yeah, it was, it was just yeah. it was it's pretty much the same. <clears throat> so first practice, you get the group together. Yeah. You've got command of the room, I'm sure. Yeah. And what's that look like? Because do, well, do you have because they're bringing their own skates, right? They're bringing their own skates. They're bringing their own pads. Maybe you got uniforms for them, or maybe a- yeah. I mean, listen, there's so many stories I could tell from that year. Uh, we, we, we first we the first thing we had was um, I don't think I've ever told this story before on on any air. This is pretty good. I won't use his name, but the first we had Dryland, and like 50 kids show up, and I'm like, God, we got this many hockey players. Some of these kids got to be good, right? And um, <clears throat> one of the kids shows up in like a button-down shirt with jean shorts. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. What, like, well, what, what is happening? Yeah, so anyway, we have the, uh, we, we, we do our, I, I made dryland really hard because I wanted to weed out, I knew, I knew that the, the program was in disarray. Like kids were drinking too much, partying too much. It was, it was bad. So we had to weed out, get a little more, get a little more discipline, I guess, you know. And I said, we'll just make it through the first year and then we'll bring in a good recruiting class and the kids that are around, we'll, we'll build the program from. But anyway, uh, so we go through the first thing, and I grab the kid after the thing. I'm like, I'm like, do you have a, like a t-shirt and gym shorts? He's like, oh uh, no. I'm like, well, you need to get that. Like, you have to have those. <laughs> like, you can't be working out in a button down. That's the minimum. The minimum. So anyway, so fast forward, <clears throat> the kid they start having um, captains practices, which I'm not allowed to go to, so I don't go to them. But I do talk to Bobby. Look, Bobby, who are the good players? He's like, oh, he, he's trying to tell me or Dennis Master, who are the guys? Whatever. So anyway. We get to about the first end of the first week, and the kid comes into me that had the the, sh- the shirt and the and the jean shorts, and I'm like, "Did you get you know you got the t-shirt and shorts and that's great? You showed up. Now he's got and you, and, and you, have, you got sneakers. Good, we're good." He's like, "Yeah." He goes, "But coach, when do we?" Because I just want to ask you, like, when do we get the equipment? And I said, "Well, after you make the team, like we we don't have a lot. We we give pants, gloves, and helmet, and I don't even know if we have a budget for sticks. That's all we give. Like it was really low budget D three." And uh, he's like, well, what am I going to do until then? I'm like, well, you have to wear your own equipment. He's like, well, I don't have any. And I'm like, well, what did you, what did you use last year playing at? So, like, because he, he had filled out this form and he had like, you know, in 28 games at such and such high school, he had, you know, 43 goals, 112. He had really ex- impressive numbers. I said, well, what did you do when you played at high school X? And uh, he said, coach, well, that was, uh, I was floor hockey. <laughs> I almost died. I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, that's floor hockey. Those are my floor hockey stats. I led, I led the, I led the uh, intramural league at my high school in floor hockey." And I'm like, "Oh, have you?" I'm like, "Do you know how to skate?" He's like, "I've never, I've never skated in my life, but I, you know, I put up good numbers. I think I can do." It. I'm like, "Oh my god!" So anyway, I'm like, "I'm like, you're done. If you haven't skated, you can't, you know, you can't play." And then, so the kid, like, he's like kind of pouty, and he handled it well. But so anyway, fast forward. This is another story I've never told. So then I find out from a couple guys that my captains are t- trying to talk. They find out the kid doesn't know how to play hockey. They figured it out too, that they're trying to talk him into being a goalie. And they're going to give him goalie equipment, let him go on the ice and be a goalie and try out as a doesn't goalie. doesn't have to move. Because he doesn't have to skate. Sure. 
So I had to call Bobby Luke in. I'm like, Bobby, you know, what the F are you doing? And he, he comes clean. He's like, yeah, we thought it would be funny. I go, Bobby, it's not funny. He's like, <laughs> okay, coach, done. We'll, we'll handle it. <laughs> I never saw the kid again ever in my life uh, but I was like is this what I'm dealing with <laughs> like, are you kidding me <laughs> it, what did I say um, but it was probably a good moment for Bobby and I who I'm still friends with this today because I think Bobby realized like alright we gotta we gotta stop screwing around and listen if you're a 21 year old kid it is pretty funny yep. you know let's yep. get the kid out there yep. we'll shoot some pucks at his head right? <laughs> you know, but I mean he was gonna get hurt I was no. like we don't, we don't need that no, no. yeah so anyway those were those are some of the things I had to deal with as a, as a first year, uh, well, a couple months into as being a, a, a Division three head coach. Well, I mean, practice must have gone well. Yeah. Because when you started the season, yeah. If you just bear with me a second. Yeah. Lost to Bentley, twelve to three. Yeah. Lost to Villanova, six to four. A win at win at Stonehill. Yeah, that was my first. <laughs> Lost, Alabama Huntsville, nine zero. The yeah. next night, nine one. A tie. In yeah, there. those shots, by the way, were like 73 to 12. Like 9 1 was a good score. John <laughs> Madison played great. But anyway, keep going. 6 0 Wesleyan. Yeah. 5 2 Iona. Skidmore 6 2. Western New England 5 7 5. UMass Dartmouth 3 2. Sacred Heart 5 3. Fairfield 7 3. And St. Michael's 12 to 1. You were outscored. You might have needed that kid as a goalie, just for the record. Yeah. 96 to 39. Yeah. And what are we thinking? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were 1 12 and 1. Um, That's exactly right. What we did a good job of, though, is I did weed some kids out as along the way. Um, <laughs> Who could you weed out? I of weeded that out club? kids. Yeah, well, because I had kids that just they wouldn't buy in. They would, you know. I'm like rule number one: you can't come to practice drunk. That's you know that's that's probably something we need to put in stone. That, that's fair. Um, so we weeded out a few kids, and some kids just you know thought it was, you know, like we were, practices were going to be hard. They didn't like that, so they quit. Um, I had one kid again. I won't say his name, but. <laughs> I mean, he was like minus 35. I mean, his, he was so bad for us. And I told the kids, whenever you quit, just come to me with your gear. We don't have a lot. And just hand it to me so I don't have to track you down. Because otherwise, you have to put a hold on your account. And he walks in my office and he hands me the gear. He's like, Coach, I've had enough of this. I had benched him the game before and he was really mad at me. That, and we'd won the game. And he was really mad at me that uh, I had benched him. And uh, he gave me the gear and I got up and I hugged him. hugged <laughs> <laughs> an outgoing player. Yeah, because I was like, thank you. Because otherwise, it made I was gonna, it easier for you. Because yeah, because I had asked Coach Khan, I wanted to cut kids that year. Right. Because not because they were bad, because they were bad kids. They right, were right. partying too much. They yep. were. They just would not. And he just said no, and he would not let me. He's like, just wait to the end of the season. You can cut. Bring in your freshman next. Just deal with it next year. And I was like, all right. I, I don't. To this day, I don't agree with that. But he was the boss, so I said okay. So I so kids had to quit, you know. And so that kid, you know. So anyway, we got. You get later in the year, we went five and three yeah, in our five last and three eight. Last. Yep. Two, two overtime wins. Yep. And uh, a couple of the games we played with like nine skaters. Yeah, and, you put an extra kid on the ice just yep. or so there was go there was the one game box. I don't remember who it was. It was a uh, it was a kid who was hurt, and I asked him if he could just dress if we took a, like a, a bench minor. Could you just serve a bench minor or if somebody gets a two and a ten or and he actually I don't know what I don't remember the penalty, but he actually served a penalty and he had to skate right to the bench because he was he had an injury. I don't remember what the injury was, but we played with nine guys. We had we had six forwards and three D, and we won, um, and. Uh, yeah, like, so we got down to like ten guys, but That's they're it. guys that wanted to be there. They wanted to play. They would play hard, and you know, like in the end, you got to have buy-in, and we didn't have buy-in. So that's uh, an amazing first year. When you really think about it, I mean, when you really, really think about it. Oh yeah, it, and I just and, and Hobart might have been better. Uh, I might have been a better choice for they, you. Well, I don't think I think anybody on the country <laughs> was better. Uh, like my career record against Sacred Heart, I don't know what it is, but it's crazy good. And I, you just read, you read off that I lost to Sacred Heart that year, and I think they were like a first or second year <laughs> program, you know. So. 
Uh, I haven't lost a secret on much over the years, but I did lose that year. Oh, uh, that's hysterical. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about some players that you've yeah. had over the years. And yeah. uh, Reed Cashman. I mean, I know you have a very close relationship with Reed, obviously. Yes. Um, 2006 All-American second team, 2007 All-American first team. In the Atlantic Hockey, right, when Division One, and we'll, yep. go, we'll go back a little bit and talk about that in just a second. But how do you get a Red Wing Minnesota native to come here? Yeah, well, we had just gone D1, and uh, I, I give Benny Sire a lot of credit. He was one of my assistants at the time. It was Benny's. Um, so back then, the USHL was the best league. It still is the best league. It was crazy good. And you, they had a tournament called the Buck Bowl. The Des Moines Buccaneers hosted it, and every team would go there. And so we had no budget. We had no recruiting, anything. So we would go to the Buck Bowl and try to just pull players from there because you could see everybody at once. And there was a lot of reasons why we got Reed, but probably the biggest reason was he didn't play very well that weekend. Um, he was like the seventh D in Waterloo. He was coming out of high school hockey, didn't skate great, crazy high IQ, crazy, like ridiculous IQ, but he just didn't skate. He was an ugly skater. Um, he didn't play well, so nobody really recruited him. So he kind of fell through the cracks. Um, <clears throat> and then Benny just liked him, and he started putting up some numbers. He started to play more. He started to acclimate. And then we got on him, and it, you know, there, wasn't, there wasn't any of the big schools were on him. And some of them circled back to see him. And just the skating wasn't there. So it was a little bit of luck that we got him. And then I give Reed a lot of credit. Like, he really worked on his skate. His work ethic was just incredible, how he worked at his skating the, the four years that he was here and, and made himself into a player and, and got himself an NHL contract, played in the American League, played pro, three-time All-American. Um, and I, I used to drive up um, to, see, to Paul Vincent skating in the summer. He'd drive, like, two hours up, do the skating, two hours back to lift and work out here. And... It was a grind. Like I was, it was impressive what he did. Is it fair to say that Reed was probably like six, so five? Things. I don't want to say work. I don't want to say easy because I don't know that. But like you now had a legitimate All American, and now you had something further in the recruiting process. The new building isn't online yet, but you're right. you're starting to get there because you've now gone division one and we'll go back to how we got there and so Yeah, forth. I mean there's there's so many things in the stages, the evolution of the program. Um but yeah, I mean Reed definitely helped. I, I really I always give a lot of credit that O six class, Reed was O seven, was you know, Dume and Bordieri and Dinama, um, John Kelly, that whole group, like that that really that class really launched us in one sense, um, just from our, a culture perspective, which I changed a lot of things once that class came in that, that, that helped us to this day. Uh, but there's so many different times, like yep, getting, fair. getting, you know, like what's the pivotal, it's hard to say, right? Getting the Jones twins was beyond pivotal. They changed everything. They changed our practice. Hab I mean, I wanted our practice, but they just, they demanded better things at practice. You had to keep up with them. And then next you bring in Matthew Pekka, and we were off to like like those guys have been gone nine or ten years. Like we still feel the effects of Connor and Kellen Jones and Matthew Pekka in practice to this day because mm -hmm. it gets passed down. Mm -hmm. um, I know that sounds crazy, but no, they, no, no. I don't know. I don't, well, they were fourteen. Pekka was fifteen. So in eight or nine years, we still feel their effects. Mm -hmm. Those three get those three players. Talk to me about how <clears throat> Soren ends up as captain because. Soren. Yeah. Because and then well and then the backstory or not the backstory but the future story is absolutely remarkable yeah. with him. So Soren uh, was it was a not a high high recruit but a really good recruit for us. Like he came in from the USHL. We thought he was gonna be really good. 
and he struggled his freshman year. Now we were good that year. That was we went to the Frozen Four, so it was a little bit not just Soren. It was a little bit we were we had depth that we normally didn't have. So he didn't play. I think he played four games as a freshman. He played like twenty four as a sophomore, and then he popped as a junior. So it was great for us. Um, but really, what happened? It was his sophomore year. Uh, we hired uh, this Navy SEAL outfit. It's called the Program or Navy SEAL guys. I actually just did the podcast with him a while ago. He wasn't there that day, but it's his his company. It's called the Program, and they come in and they do Navy SEAL stuff with your guys. <laughs> like it's crazy. And the main reason we did it, we caught as a coaching staff. We felt we were going to have a little void in our leadership, losing. Uh, the twins losing Pekka, losing Federico, and we were like, who, who, "Who's going to be our next group of captains?" So we wanted to. That's what they. That's what they do. They develop character. They develop captains. They, they teach leadership. Right. So it's a, it's a leadership development program. And anyway, I won't get into the whole details because it's a long story. But we, you go in the pool and it's crazy. The whole thing that goes on. It's like five a.m., four a.m. They tie you out the day before. I went and watched, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And anyway. The guy that pops out of the whole thing as the leader of the group was our fourth line left wing from a sophomore who played 24 out of 40 games, Soren Janssen. It just blew me away. Like he just took charge of everything. And I was like, what just happened? And uh, um, Sam, um, what was his last name? Sam Sela, I think was his last name. But Sam was the guy who ran it, the Navy SEAL. Or Navy Rangers, he might've been a mm-hmm. Ranger, sorry. I don't know if he was a SEAL. But um, he was like, that's, that's, why, that's what comes out of this. You just don't know who your leaders are. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be – he'll be our cap, not as a junior, but as a senior, and he was. And probably, uh, if not the best captain we've ever had, but probably top three. Um, so just a crazy story. But So it wasn't the kids the kids I thought who were going to pop out of it as a leader. Um, but um, I give him a lot of credit. And uh, a lot of our 2016 season that we had, which was phenomenal, I credit to Soren Janssen, and I go back and give the program a lot of credit. It was, it was great. It was brilliant. And Soren is uh, soon to be – done with getting his literal doctor degree he's gra- going to graduate from the university of california southern uh, san francisco and he's the co-president of the school of medicine student body at the time when he was there yep and his clinical research is some word i can b- <laughs> barely pronounce yeah uh, pediatrics and sports related concussions i mean yeah the kids he's brilliant uh, he's just a rock star right yeah i mean it's a great quinnipiac story yeah he's a uh, he's He's as good of a, of a of a of an elite character person you'll ever meet, and he's a rocket scientist. <laughs> I love him. It's unbelievable. It's one of my favorites. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. You often talk about development of players. Yeah. Right, and you talk about how if you get them here, you can develop them and get them to be better than what they are. Yeah. Or what they perhaps came to you as. Yeah. Zach Metza, obviously from the national championship team, skated 32 games in his first season. I think he had four points. And he's a two-time All-American today. Three-time All-American. Three-time All-American, excuse yeah. me. He did five years. He got that fifth COVID year, yeah. And in the national championship game and the semifinal game, the last four points, less Ethan's yep. you know, empty netter, all have Zach Metza in the box score. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. Yeah, he was – I mean, Michigan and Minnesota were loaded, and he was – he was basically the best player on the ice, probably both games or close to it. He dominated, yeah. Yeah, it was a great story. Like, he got healthy scratched a bunch as a freshman, um, was going to get healthy scratched a couple other games, and then we had so many injuries at forward, I threw him at right wing. Right, I he just, went from he went from forward to defense, right? No, he was a defenseman. Oh, he was the whole time? Okay. Yeah, he was kind of our 7-8 as a freshman. 
kind of in and out of the lineup. There was, I remember there was a BC game at home. He dressed as a seventh, didn't get a shift. And I found out like a year later it was his birthday. His parents had come in to watch him. You know, I didn't know that at the time. Uh, Not that that would change anything. Right, 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 yeah, right, we right. Beat BC won nothing. It was a big win. Prisky yeah. had the goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had to he had to grind, and I, I think him getting some games at forward really helped him that year. Just get confidence. He had a huge goal against UMass. They were the number one team in the country that week. We beat him at home. That was a great game. He just got a little bit of confidence. And I remember even one of the games at Maine, like we were so thin on guys, I had to put him at center. I said, you won't take a face. I'll just always change you on the fly. He didn't play a lot, but he played. Yeah, so he got some. He played fourth line center for a game or two. And and listen, he never complained. He just He's an awesome kid, great high character, great work ethic. And he just fought. And he gr- he just grinded it out and got better. And then he he got a break at the end of his freshman year. Fortunato got hurt, which probably cost us a frozen four that year. I thought Forchi was, was one of our best, if not our best player that year. He was unbelievable, and that, that killed us. So now Metzel went from being the seven to the six. He got some more playing time. That helped him. And then his sophomore year, he kind of popped again. Then he was like a four. And then his junior year, he led the nation scoring by a D. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, just he just kept getting better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of credit goes to Zach. I think as a staff, we did a great job with him. And, and Brajesh Patel did a great job with him in the in the weight room. I want to talk about one, uh, two more kids. One who has <clears throat> left the program, one is just still with the program. And we can talk about all your kids because, I yep. mean, they're, they're all – Excellent. Uh, to say nothing about the 3.69 GPA that the club had this year, and uh, that what is just absolutely remarkable. well. I think we can. I think we can round that up to a 3.7. I think we could. Yeah, let's yeah. just round that. Uh, up. Sure, let's yeah. do that. Uh, Jake Johnson. Yep. I have watched the Michigan and Minnesota games probably 20 times. The kid that pops for me, and I don't, you know more about hockey than I'll ever even remote. You've forgotten more than I'll ever know. Yeah. That kid. When you watch what he does on defense, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, he is in every play. He's getting skating back to break up to to, to break up the offensive uh, opponent. I, I'm I'm super impressed with that kid. Yeah, I I mean, he had a great year for us. Um, and the interesting thing, like he was a good, solid player at RPI. He right. wasn't, you know, he wasn't a superstar. He was just simple. And we were going through the recruiting. I'm not gonna lie, like we struck out on a couple of kids, and I. I kept bringing Johnson's name up to um, to Corbs and Joe, and so we went back and watched him some more. Went back and watched him some more, um, and we thought, okay, he'll come in and be our four, or our five, and just be real solid and steady. And and he really was our, our number two D behind Mets. Uh, he had a great year. He he got a lot better, which is weird for a kid to do four years of college, and then it doesn't happen a lot. We get a fifth year somewhere else, and he kind of popped. Which is very unusual. Um, I give him a lot of credit because I told him when he when he committed to us, I said, if you want to come, my only requirement is you need to come over the summer. You have to start training with our team because I want you to acclimate to our culture. Um, there's some things athletically I think we can help you with. And Brajesh did a great job with him. Johnny gets a lot of the credit too because he, he did it too. You know, he worked um, to really improve his athleticism. And uh, he com- he improved considerably in just one year of hockey, which you see that sometimes out of a freshman or a kid going sophomore year, but in your fifth year, it's it's pretty different, especially in a new program, right? Yeah, yeah. And he mean, just his buy-in was phenomenal. Yeah, 
He's not the sexiest kid on the ice. He's not pretty doing it sometimes, but boy, is he effective. And his, he fits really well into how we play. And sometimes you see that in any type of sport. Like some kids just play better for certain coaches. They Or, or sometimes, you, you know, uh, some guys don't play better for different coaches when you see free agency and different things in any sport. Um, and Johnny just was a perfect fit for the Quinnipiac identity. And I heard you talk <coughs> about Noah Altman, uh, and this will be the last current player that we talk about, um, yeah. uh, how he contributed – Played two minutes, all yep. season, and I'll, I'll use my analogy, not yours, but you think he contributed in such a way to the national championship yep. because of all of everything that he did Absolutely. off the ice. Yeah, yeah. Great person, great teammate. He's great in the locker room, great in the weight room, great at practice, knows his role. You know, sometimes you get three goalies and they all want to play, right? That's just, it is what sure, it is. Sure. And you can get a battle with the one and two battling, and then the three is always like, well, when am I going to play? And it just... It can cause a lot of controversy. And, um, you know, we recruited Noah. We said, hey, you're, you're going to be the three. This is your role. You're, you're not going to play in games, but you'll practice. And he knew what he knew what he was going to get coming in. He's worked at it, gotten a lot better. Um, but he's been phenomenal. And to me, I, I definitely wouldn't have thought this in my early years of coaching, but um, I do think this now. Like, every, every, every player is important. Every staff member is important. Um, Again, you know, what I have thought that in my early years, you know, like, does it matter if the athletic trainer, does it matter the equipment managers, does it matter the student managers? And I was, ah, it's not that big a deal. Now I'm like, it's everything. Like, every time those kids come in the locker room, we want positive energy. Um, you don't know, you know, like Dan Smith, our athletic trainer, like, he does a great job. There's so many times kids come in, they have to go see him first. And, he, and they might be a little down, and I don't know, I don't, he doesn't come to me on every kid, but they might be a little down in the dumps or they're tired or whatever, and Dan will, you know, give him a little, give him a little pump, pick me up speech or yep. whatever, or maybe it's projection in the weight room or whatever. Um, but those little things are so important. And Noah, to me, was as much of that championship as any kid on our team. Let's trans. We'll get to some of the game. They'll get to the games in a second. NIL and transfer portal. Yep. Changing the game. It is. Yeah. For the, for the good. Well, the transfer portal has been a home run for Quinnipiac. Yeah, you know, it's it's killed a bunch of teams. I won't name names, but it's it's killed some teams. Like not 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 even from the standpoint of them losing kids. Uh, there's been a bunch of like what I would call big time programs that have dipped deep into the transfer portal, and when they're doing that, they're not getting the first, second, third round draft pick. Well, obviously they're going to take first rounders, but they're not they're not taking those high end young kids that then will develop later. Um, and there's been a lot of teams that have kind of botched it. Um, we've killed it two years in a row, and we'll see what happens this year. I think we did really well. I'm really excited about the class we brought in again, but we've we've absolutely killed it uh, two years in a row. And, you know, the fifth-year COVID rule helped us a lot this year. The year before, it, it, you know, it helped us a little bit. Like, so every, everybody's got to adapt and adjust, and I think that's one thing we've done well as a staff. Like, we've, we've adapted. Um, in terms of NIL, that's the next wave that's coming. Um, it's coming, you know. Um, it's huge into um, football and basketball already. It's going to change hockey. It's we're a little behind. Uh, it's funny. I was talking to a guy the other day who knows a lot about wrestling, and he was just telling me that um, you know Michigan grabbed three kids from Northwestern, and they gave them each 150 grand a piece. <laughs> and I was like, "What is that wrestling?" I couldn't believe it. Um, so it's already in the wrestling world, but it's something that. Um, if you don't get on board with NIL and have your donors and boosters get involved, like you're gonna you're gonna lose hockey games. Let's talk about some of the terms you use frequently that yep. I hear you talk about. Um, and the first is marginal gains. Yeah. What does that mean, and how do you 
teach t- talk to talk to your players about that? I mean, I've I, I've always believed in marginal gains. The the first time I actually I was doing it for a long time and never knew the term. Just um, I think it was in a Malcolm Gladwell book, I believe. Um, I don't know. I've read a bunch of his books, probably five or six of them. But in one of his books, he talks about marginal gains, and a lot of it. Uh, I think the example was in um, bicycle racing, bike racing. How you can you know get a little bit better on how to change the gears, or a little bit better on this, or a little bit. You know, they do it in NASCAR too, right? Your your pit stop can be one tenth of a second faster. Change the tire. Like there's so many little things. So. It's the same thing with us. Like we're not getting what Michigan and Minnesota or Wisconsin or some of the big schools are getting in talent, BCBU. Um, so we have to be two percent better on faceoffs. We have to be a little bit better on our PK, a little bit better on our power play, a little bit better on our faceoff plays, D zone, O zone. There's so many little things that add up. Do you explain that to the kid, to the students? Um, I don't or know. Is that, I, co- is that something that you guys just? Talk I don't about think I explain marginal gains to our guys, but yeah. I, I like using that term. But I'm like, hey. This is, this is why we win. Yeah. You know, like we're, in the last 10 years, we're number two in face-offs. Uh, this year we were two in face-offs. We're great on it. Well, how do we win the overtime goal? We want a face-off, right? And actually Quillen doesn't win the face-off. Our right wing goes in, wins the puck, which is what he's taught to do. Um, and, and, you know, no offense to Union, but Colin Graff wasn't doing that at Union a year ago. He just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the execution of that whole play, and again, it's everything happens, falls right. It doesn't always happen that way. But... You know, we have to be better. Our PK is number one in college hockey over the last 10, 12. Pick, pick your time frame. We're, we're number one overall. Um, power play, I think we're two. I haven't done the numbers in a couple of years. But we're. if you look at all the things that are coachable, we're always up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, face-off goals, four face-off goals allowed. They don't keep that stat, but I would think we've got to be one, two, or three almost every year. So these are things, those are controllables. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're detailed and good at it, um, six on five, five on six. Some coaches don't cover, cover that. They don't coach it. They don't. They just leave it alone. And to me, I'm like, I don't spend a ton of time on it, but we spend time on it. We mm-hmm. spend time on six on four power play, which obviously helped us mm-hmm. in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sam Lipkin goes and stands exactly where he's supposed to stand because we practiced it. And the goalie's cheating that pass, and that allows Graf to score. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of little things. Like, um, we have to do that if we're going to play teams with 15, 16 draft picks, and we've got our two draft picks. And again, there's a difference in draft picks, too. Like, it's a difference with a sixth or seventh round pick, or you got a first round. You know, those first rounders are crazy good. Yeah. And the second rounders are really good. Um, and, and that's where I sit, I sit there and wonder. I go, well, okay, so... Minnesota is the BCs, the BUs. They're getting all the high-end talent, per se. But you're developing kids to be better than they were when they came to you. And I'm not saying those other coaches aren't doing that because I, right. I don't know that. But it's obvious, right? It's yeah. obvious. I've got a cramp in my leg. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's obvious that you're developing the talent. And so why wouldn't a div- uh Low end two or three in the NHL draft. Go, yeah. You know what? I want to be better. And can you make me better? Right. You think they're coming? I mean, um, do you think as a result of what has happened? I mean, they should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the proofs in the point. Like we do a great job. Right. Guys that are here, all our players love the school. I mean, they love it. They love it here. They love the 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 brotherhood that we've established. The team chemistry, not just with the current players, with past players. Like it's phenomenal. Um, everything's great about it, but. What a lot of these kids growing up, you know, they all want to go to the sexy schools. And, you know, we are we are a great program. It's a great school, but we're not in that sexy top eight teams. We just aren't. Um, will that change? Probably not. 
maybe we'll see um you know maybe if we get a bunch then they'll start coming but it's it's hard um they all go to the same like basically right now i'd say if you take the top 100 recruits in the country every year they all go to the same nine schools they take all of them and then we're in that next tier of schools fighting for a bunch of really good players um and then a lot of times too there's there's really high-end kids at 16 17 years old they, they don't pan out in college there's a lot that don't pan out. It's just like the NFL or mm-hmm. NHL draft yeah, where right. guys don't pan out. Mm-hmm. So um, our success ratio and development is just much higher um, than some of those schools. Um, why? I don't know. I mean, there's other there's other battles that those coaches have to fight. Like, you know, if you get a kid in the first round, is he is he only is he, is he one and done? You know, uh, those coaches always complain about. It. I'm like, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a first round that's one and done. I'll, I'm okay with that. You know, like, um, but anyway, we 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 find a niche and we find what we're good at and. Um, we need really high character kids with high IQ and that's high hockey IQ and that's what works for us. Thanks for joining us on the 10th Second Podcast. Special thanks to the head coach, Rand Pecknell, for talking to us today. Our production crew is Justin Morosky, who is our producer and audio engineer. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th second, and also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode. <laughs>